0: From LPM,
1: Louisville Public Media.
0: Support for LPM podcasts comes from the Eye Care Institute and Butchertown Clinical Trials, where they strive for diversity, equity, and inclusion within their staff, patients, and clinical trial participants. To learn more, visit butchertown.clinic.
2: Hi, I'm Kyla. And this is Jay.
3: And you're listening to Strange Fruit Podcast. Welcome back, dear listeners, to Strange Fruit at Home. <laughs> you <laughs> know, I, I think I told y'all last week, that's what Wendy Williams calls her show, Wendy Williams at Home, and like, you know, Kelly Clarkson at Home, so we're going to be Strange Fruit at Home. Even though I, I guess podcasts are technically always at home, as it could be, yeah? <laughs> I think a lot of
2: podcasts are at home. I think a lot of uh, folks- I don't, I
3: don't be like hosting at home, but like people usually listen at home. But some people listen like on the train, but wherever y'all listening from, we're hosting from. my- from home you doing okay doc
2: i am i've been doing i've been doing well um i don't really i'm not really getting the cabin fever effect because i walked in i walked in for my dog so much and so i've been able to get the fresh air and it's been really nice weather these past couple of days and so
3: but, 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 that, but you're but, a homebody anyway you're a homebody anyway you prefer uh, like if you had your druthers you would be at home with your wife and your parents and your and your dog baby I on the other hand it must it must so like I child, you know, I'm going stir crazy.
2: <laughs> I know, but I you know, uh I was just thinking about the, the thing I do miss is I, I miss getting pretty and putting on makeup and having fancy hair. <laughs> like I just put up this meme today that basically is like five minutes of uh, me, five minutes before I log in on my Zoom meetings, because I've had so many meetings and um, all these uh, thesis defenses and, and stuff like that, and I've been like, I'm gonna get pretty every time, and it's like, yeah, no, not so much. I haven't put on a titch of makeup, and I'd say a solid month, my skin is fabulous, right? But it doesn't, um, it's not giving me the same type of fulfillment when I, you
3: know, get all you get gone done, up. You get done up. but you know what I love about you is that, well, first of all, I mean, and let's just keep it real. You're pretty regardless, child. You're pretty even outside of your makeup, oh, but, but no, you know, no. you know. Okay, but what, you, what, I, what I love about, I think there's a luxury that women have, that men don't have. So, like, like you know, just like that whole, they have that whole, uh, don't rush challenge where people are on, like, the video and they, like, they look, like, bummy. Then they, like, then they come back and they look, like, really fabulous. So, women, it's sort of like, like, so, like, you have your glasses on, don't make up on, and you're pretty, but then when you get done up, it's, like, a, really, tr- like, a transformation. And dudes, all dudes really do is, like, get a haircut and, like, put on, like, a suit. Like, and we still look, it's like, okay, Jason, you just got a haircut. But women, like, y'all for real be looking like, you know. It'd be the
2: transformation effect. It'd be the transformation effect.
3: It of does, thing. it does, it does. But nonetheless, so, you know, I, I've been missing you. We haven't seen each other in a while. Although we used to see each other all the time. But I will see you soon. But hey, let's get into today's conversation, Doc, because I'm super excited. This conversation is one that I can relate to. But uh, I think back about my childhood. And I, even think, as I think about even, like, you, you know, I wait tables for a living. And the, the interactions I have with particular guests and their coded language and what they're really getting at when they ask certain questions. So the essay I saw is called The Confusion of Being Black, but told, quote, you talk like a white boy. So to help us uh, break down this conversation, please welcome the author of that essay. He's a sketch comedian, a cover singer, and a writer in love of storytelling. Welcome writer Brandon Anderson to the show.
1: <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> Thank how you are so you? much. I am so happy to be here. It is fantastic. This is like a dream come true. Like I never thought I'd be... Like on a podcast talking about some literary works, I feel like I should have a sweater on. There should be a cup of tea, but all I got is water. And y'all, this is great. I'm oh, I
3: love it! I love it. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> well, well the, the most important question you described some of the cover singer. What is your go-to? This is a very important question. But this decides if we're gonna keep you on the show or we're gonna go ahead and ditch you. No, but no. What is your favorite go-to cover song?
1: Woo, man! Bill Weathers used me up every time. Every oh my time. goodness!
3: Right on! Right on! Every all right. time. Well we're, we're quite the karaoke singers. Uh Kyle's a better vocalist than I am. <laughs> uh no, no, that's not that's not the case. I
2: I usually be having whiskey in my cigarettes and feeling like I'm really singing and Jay's always making fun of me on the low, so
3: no. Well <laughs> I love it. but, but, but Brandon, it's a delight to have you, man. And I I, t- I can totally relate to, to the piece that you wrote. And but I'm gonna ask you to talk about what I led you to write it, but I can relate to it both as like what happens to us as young people, when I was like a I was a black boy growing up in the 80s and 90s. In the, in, the, in the heyday of Carlton Banks on Fresh prints, and all those kinds of things and I relate to that But then also as an adult in the ways in which uh, You know, we kind of still hear those things about talking like a white boy But so if you describe um, yourself as being 60 years old and you had a particular job you had, and that this job you had an experience uh, With the customer that kind of right. frames this conversation tell right. us where you worked You know, what life was like for you at that time? And what was this conversation that opened up this larger discussion for you?
1: Well, let's see. I mean, I was 16 at the time, and I was working at a video store, uh, which was the job to have in the 90s. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, I wasn't flipping burgers. I was selling videos. I had a polo. I was looking great. And I think that uh, for me, uh, at that time, I was feeling... Um, I was feeling, I, I think like a, like a normal 16 year old kid would, you know, I was surrounded by friends who were like me in so many ways, um, that feeling, um, feeling awkward about the way that I spoke wasn't really on my radar, you know, um, because of, 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 of the people I, I went to surround myself with, but i uh, when when I had this interaction with this guy, like, he walks in, and, you know, I'm I'm busy taking new customers, or the, that's my job to take new customers, and he walks in, and I'm talking to him about some stuff, and he just starts looking at me, you know, it's kind of one of them old-school, uh, kind of older guys, uh, you know, like a, like a, like he's he's somebody's cool uncle, you know, and he's just looking at me, and he's about to say something, and I'm waiting for him to talk, and he says, man, why you, why you sound so white? Why you talk like a white boy? And it, 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 it was, um, It was such a it was such a jarring experience for me uh, because it made me feel like I was wrong for being who I was. You know, Uh, I think that it it felt like he was accusing me of trying to be something that I wasn't. And I think when you're young and you're trying to struggle with your own identity, you're trying to struggle with 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 what type of person you're going to grow up to be. You know, for someone to say what you are or not rather at your base level is just so uh, is so is so moving. You know, and I think it affected me in ways that 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 just permeated through my entire life. So,
2: mm. in your piece, you also talk about um, how this wasn't the first time, right? That this older gentleman in the store wasn't the first time that you encountered somebody telling you that you talk white. You said that black kids did it, and even some bold white ones did it. Talk to us about how those two interactions were different. How did the bold white kids assert, "Hey, you talk white"? Versus the black kids you encountered and their assertion of you talking white.
1: Well, for both of them, I mean, it was for to be around my own people and hear that it was always with this bit of disdain, you know, it was always like, why are you why are you not happy with what you are and who you are? You know, why are you trying to sound like somebody that 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 isn't you that isn't that isn't where you come from? And then for white people, like it was more so the phrase of "you are the whitest black dude I know," which is always, mm-hmm. which was, which was such a such a such a jacked up thing to hear <laughs> as a kid, you know, um, especially when you are encouraged as, a, as an intelligent young kid to to try new things, to learn, uh, you know, uh, in different ways and expand your mind when you have a natural ability for learning and for growth. You know, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one here who's been in a, a gifted and talented program or or had to uh, or was in a special reading group for kids who were accelerated, you know. And with that comes. Uh, uh, new experiences and meeting new people and you're immersed in different cultures and around different people. And I think that the way I speak and the way I was was just a reflection of me being ex- being exposed to new things, you know? I kind of felt like I was... Uh being an advocate, or, or, or I don't know, a kind of, a kind of emissary for my people, going out there and being, being proud, you know, being yeah. black, but, but, but making, making waves, making differences, doing new things, but yeah. for both of, but to hear that from both of those people, for both sides, it made me feel like I didn't belong somewhere, you know, um, mm. it felt like I was too black to be white and too white to be black, you know,
3: absolutely, and, and, and as I mentioned, I, like I, I, I kind of, I went to, you know, doc, you know, I went to Catholic school. Most of my life, I didn't even learn to cuss until I was like in seventh grade. Like, you know, I, so and I black? You know, I was considered the choir boy, but I oftentimes got like, why you talk so white? And because I've I, I spoken proper with proper diction, or I, uh, you know, I conjugated my subject and my verbs, and all those things that my mother thought were investments towards creating a, you know, I, I thought I was doing things right. And so, my hey. question for you, Brandon, and I'm sure, and so, oh, let me also say, so I said as an adult, I weigh tables. And so it, it is different when you hear from white people. They ask you things like, oh, where where are you from? Like you don't know, sound like you're from here. You know what mm-hmm. I'm like? I know what you're getting at. Like I do, I am born raised in Kentucky. You know, you know, what you're getting at is why do you speak so well? Mm-hmm. Right. Or it, and, and so what's also very interesting is when I would catch cabs all the time, I would have continental African cab drivers and I would always say, Yes, sir, no, sir, or please and thank you. And I would speak with proper diction. And those cab drivers would ask me, Are your parents African? And at first, I didn't know what they were getting at. They're like, "Well, you know, where are your people from?" And I would say, "You know, I'm." And say they would say, "Like, man, you can't be Black American. Black Americans don't talk like you." Right. Like, even among continental Africans, there was still this idea of what it meant to be a Black American and how you should or shouldn't talk. And because I spoke with proper diction, or because I was even polite, that to them meant that my parents had to also be, you know, uh, from you know from the continent or from the Caribbean, because those are the kind of black parents that rear children. Like us. But I want to ask you, Brandon, when you hear me things, especially from other black people, did, do, did you have a sense of self-interrogation? How did it, how did it make you feel? Like I felt myself asking, like, what could I have done yeah. to, to be more black? Right? And I tried to yeah. you know, I tried to posture. I tried to I tried to curse. I didn't do it right. But, right. but what, what 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 did you feel? And what what did, what was your own interrogation? Did you ever try to find ways to, to act more black for lack of a better term?
1: Yeah, yeah, talk less in new situations. Talk less as possible. Be sure to say yeah, not yes. Be sure to say oh, for real, or instead, uh, oh, I know what you're talking about, or whatever the case. You know, it's about um, it, 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 and and it was uh, we were code switching before it was a, a thing. You know, before people had a name for it, it was about what you had to do when you were around your people, or or what you did when you weren't around them, and 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 as you got older, as I got older, when you start to analyze it and you think on it. You're really What we're really saying is that we expect Black people to not use English properly. Like we expect Black people to not speak uh, the way a white person would or way anybody who happened to have access to education and to good parenting or whatever should speak. And, and, and when you think about it, it's just racism wrapped up in racism and classism. And it, 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 it says that we are only supposed to be one thing intellectually. And that, that, that's, that's what I've come to realize that it's more of a, it's a, it's a self-hating kind of thing.
2: Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you about was that, you know, um, your idea of of where this comes from. Cause I mean, I also like you both got that um, when I was a little kid from not so much from my white peers, but definitely from um, uh, the black kids um, in my neighborhood, Uh, they would always be like, you know, are you biracial or, or, Mm. I mean. I don't look, nobody's biracial, Child, but they would ask me um, hints of like ancestry and DNA and right, trying to figure out um, why I like certain things, why I like certain movies, why I could name certain actors and actresses in movies. Even um, it, it, it went so far as to the subject matters that I wanted to talk about with my peers. It wasn't just the intonation of my voice or the use of slang. It was also about my interests, like the things that I was interested in or not interested in. Um, the things I could bond with them on and couldn't bond with them on. And you said just now that you feel like this speaks of racism, also classism. Where, What can we tell young Black kids, right, who are being raised to use proper diction, etiquette, so on and so forth, what, what advice do you have for them to combat folks telling them, you talk so white, or you're the whitest Black person I know. What can they do, right, um, to kind of not have this produce anxiety or low self-esteem in them? Like what would be a good clap back or a good response that they could have?
1: Wow. You know, I've always, I've always dreamed about being back in that situation and thought thinking about what would I have said? And maybe I would have said to them, like, what does that mean to you? What does that mean? Because you have to say it because then you have to engage somebody in a conversation. What does that mean to you? What do you mean? I talk white. What do you mean? What Mm -hmm. do you mean? And then they'd have to, then you have to, that's when you have to, to approach it face on. You have to approach it head on. You you say, if you were to ask somebody, what does that mean? It says, well, you use this word and not that word. I said, what do you mean? I'm not allowed to use this word or you can't. And then you say, no, white people talk like this or black people do. This. And I think that if you open up that dialogue, people will be able to understand what they're putting out, which is really just ignorance. It's really just a short sightedness. Now, you know, easier said than done because you know how kids can be. But I guess if I would have to, if, if I was to able to give some kind of advice, if people we're able to be courageous enough to do that. I think that's the only way. It's such. It's a brave step, but I think it's a way to at least get people to think about how they speak and think about what comes out their mouth before they,
3: yeah.
1: before they say something.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a. I think that's a really, really actually great response because I do think a lot of the action, a lot of our responses are things that we just don't think about. Right? We hear other right. people, then we parrot them. No, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
1: yeah. not to mention that the the internet allows you to be so offensive and so you can pop off so quickly because you're not looking at you're not even looking at somebody face to face then so I can only imagine you know what's it like to be a young kid you know a young adolescent in this age where people can just give you that without even a thought to what you might feel or say or look like about it too so yeah yeah
3: so so obviously Brandon you and I have a particular generation I mean you you referenced in your piece you know Carlton Banks Alfonso Ribeiro and that was kind of like that was the cliche kind of Person that I, I would phrase like Oreo, or or even right. like Steve Urkel. I wonder if you think here we are. You know, these these many years later, do you think that that representations and and, and images of black boyhood and to some degree black manhood have evolved? That is to say, you think about Ti. And, and yeah, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but T.I. But speaks very well, right? He even is kind right. of known for, oh, you know, like, you know <laughs> back in the day, you had a living color. You had know, the black don't live in color was participating about the execution, you know? But but T.I. Right. is very that, right? But, but he he speaks, it, he speaks, you know, from in, in, in in good diction, he, and, he, and he uses the proper conjugation. Congen- but I, I'm asking you, do you think that, like, there's more room now for black boys and black men to be more like we were without that being read as acting white? You know, like now they have like blurred culture, right? So it's what, what we might have been for some right.
0: years. And right, right.
3: White is now okay. You can be a blur, <laughs> right? You can be a blurred, and that's cool. So, do you think there's more room now for for young people than there was for us?
1: I think so. I think there is, but I think that being a young person is all about class structure. You know, it's always about finding finding a box to fit in. And it may not be the same boxes that were like ours growing up, but then even with all of this inclusiveness, there still comes just this instinctual nature with with young folks to ostracize one another. You know? So I do think that it's it's different for young black men, but I don't think I I just think the challenges are different, you know. They may not be facing it in the same way, um, because growing up is always just a battle about finding out who you are. And when it caught, when it at the end of the day, it comes down to the individual, and that you have to decide: Are you going to let your Are you going to let your actions and your experiences define who you are? Are you going to let people tell you who you are? You know, so love
3: it. I love it. At, at the end of your piece, you say that that um that as you got older you're much less offended by those questions for Black people because you recognize from where those those um, those questions come. And you realize it's not Black people's fault that we have been raised in anti-Black society, right? But what you have come to realize and, and the kind of what you held against that grown-ass man in that video store was like, like you, like there was a power dynamic, of course, and so even as a young person, even if you were self-assured, there was that power dynamic, and that that kind of grown-ass man had no right to kind of interrogate you. So you've come to realize the importance of words, and the words can have an impact the way that you never understood. No, granted right. that oh that old dude didn't mean any harm, right? He probably, he didn't necessarily even want to insult you, but but you had to, you held onto that, and so this you helped this helped you realize the impact of words. Talk a bit more about that notion of you choosing your words wisely. Because you recognize the impact even beyond how you may intend them.
1: Well, I think like getting finding the 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 courage and I think the 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 idea to 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 get this 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 story on paper um, and get it out there uh is just really sparked a new avenue to explore as a as an artist and as a writer for me because I think that there are so many points, so many memories that we hold on to in our lives. That, you know that they're just flashes to the people that, that were in them for us. But for us, I think we can kind of pinpoint certain moments and certain conversations in our life that, that, that made us who we are today. Uh, so like these, these, these big these big moments, I think sometimes. And I, I, I think that as I grow as a writer, um, I'm learning, that every word for young people has meaning, every every word that you hear in your growth has meaning. And so for me, when I'm when I'm, uh, you know, as I get into being a being a real a real grown up, (laughs) being like a real grown up, um, I'm understanding that um, I have an opportunity uh, to to share wisdom, I have an opportunity to share experiences. um, And it's important for me to be open to to, to hearing other people's experiences so that I can find a way to translate um, wisdom to each other. So I think that um, I'm learning how to choose choose words so that I can be heard effectively.
3: Well, hey, man, well, you certainly imparted some wisdom to us and you've been heard on this show. Uh, listeners, I guess there has been uh, Brandon Anderson. He described himself as a writer, an actor, and a rock star. Hey, Brandon, thanks so much for making time for us today. We really enjoyed having you. Come back anytime, and we wish you the best of luck, okay?
1: Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Y'all be safe, be healthy, and I hope to see y'all soon.
3: Take care, my friend. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: All right, doc, let's take a quick break and tell the people who we are. You're listening to Strange Food Podcast.
0: Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility, and Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at vision 0
2: The work we do on Strange Fruit wouldn't be possible without your support. If we've made you laugh or made you think, we hope you'll consider chipping in. Visit donate.strangefruitpod.org. That's donate.strangefruitpod.org. Thank, Thank you. you. Welcome back. You're listening to Strange Fruit Podcast.
3: So, Doc, there's a couple of things we can headlines this week that caught my eye. So over in Kenya, you know, like everybody's dealing with the coronavirus. It's not just us here in Kentucky. It's not just folks in the U.S. It's really something that's happening all over the world. But every country is handling it differently. So let's talk about Kenya. The governor of Kenya has put together a care package for his citizens to help them deal with the coronavirus. So I'm sure it includes things like food, hand sanitizer, but he also has a very, very special ingredient in these care packages. Any idea what it is?
2: Oh my God, what is it? What is it's, a
3: bottle, it's a bottle of Hennessy. Uh, oh, it's a bottle of Hennessy. A bottle of Hennessy, I, I know, I, I, I should you not, a bottle of Hennessy, and Hennessy, I think Hennessy is like a, is it a brandy, or it's a cognac, or it's a bourbon, or something. It's brown liquor, you know, I, I'm classy, you know, I do white wine, I do vodka. But uh, you're brown girls, you probably had your fair share of Hennessy in your day. But but Hennessy, of course, is brown liquor popular among black people. And so the the governor of Kenya, it's put together this coronavirus plan that includes Hennessy, but there's a very logical reason doc behind uh, the Hennessy. You ready okay. to hear it? No, cause, yeah, at 1st you're like, what, you like child, why would you put bottles of liquor in a care package? But, interestingly enough, over here in the States, in Kentucky at least, uh, liquor stores have been declared essential businesses. So, so you could go down that, that line of thinking that liquor stores are essential businesses because, probably because during this time of, of quarantine, folks who are addicted to alcohol, that they really would have life-threatening consequences if they had to go through a forced withdrawal. So that's why the governor here, much like probably other governors have declared liquor stores essential businesses. So I know a lot of people are like, well, why would you close the churches believe the liquor store is open? But there really is a logical health reason behind it. Uh, but no, but over in Kenya though, he says the research has been conducted, which reveals that alcohol plays a very major role in the coronavirus. So that includes the alcohol in hand sanitizers, but also alcohol in liquor. Because if you think about a doctor, if you think about like old Western videos, somebody gets shot or somebody gets stabbed, what do they do? They pour whiskey on the wound, right? Also, like an antiseptic, it's, it's functional. Exactly.
2: Okay, yes. I
3: got you. Yes. Yeah, now, yeah, so here see is a cognac. It only has an alcohol content of 40%. What's really technically is not strong enough to kill viruses, so let's clear up that misnomer. You really need an alcohol content of at least 70%. That's what hand sanitizer has. That's what sprays and wipes have. So Hennessy, like Cognac, or uh, rather Cognac, like Hennessy and such, uh, only have an alcohol content of about 40%. So it's really not strong enough to kill the viruses. And then also, you know, drinking alcohol can also weaken your immune system if you do it in excess. So... Mm. The governor was along the right lines, but really, it's like, no, just say y'all want to get drunk. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Because a lot, people, a lot of people, a lot of people are doing what you have to do to get through these times. For some people, that includes the bottle, For some people that includes the smoke out. You know, everybody got what they do. For me, that, that's like shopping at the grocery and cooking all the time.
2: <laughs> I love it though. I love that he put that in there though. That is like. Yeah,
3: bottles, bottles of Hennessy. Well, there's yep. another city. Uh, also, making headlines, this is in New Orleans. There's actually a Colorado woman who's facing a host of charges because she rode up in the New Orleans airport butt ass naked. Her name is Mario Vergara. She's 27 years old. <laughs> she walked into Louis Armstrong Airport there in New Orleans and she went to the Spirit Airlines encounter and she was completely nude. And she I guess what it's to purchase a ticket and get on her flight. Well, of course, they called the authorities because the woman would not leave the premises. But by the time the cops got there, she had put on a very short dress, but it was not enough to cover up her goodies. You know, they asked her to leave. She would not leave. And she also was not allowed to fly because the dress she had on it was reported by the airport personnel that it, quote, did not cover her genitals. And she did not have on underwear. Uh, so, as no, no, I, I, I always say, I don't make things, I just report it. So she okay. refused to leave. She was arrested and charged with a number of uh, misdemeanor uh, offenses. But my thing is like airports to me, to me, airplane seats are nasty. So even if you do want a free ball or or go commando, whatever, why would you want your bear, uh, whatchamacallit, on the on the seat to fly, to, fly to fly with no draw zone and no pants for that matter?
2: What did the woman say? Like, did
3: anybody interview her and say, like, why are you butt naked? Like, what's... not not so far, but but probably because. She probably was frustrated with the what it takes to get through security. But let me tell you something, I've been tempting my bag on self. So I'm, <laughs> that bag because, you know, I'm serious. Because you got first you gotta take off your shoes. Then you gotta take off your bill. Then you gotta take off your, your jacket, you got a jacket on. You gotta empty your pockets, take off a hat. Take off your pockets. Of your you, gotta yeah. put, you gotta put your liquid. Your liquids in this bag, your laptop in that bag. You gotta <laughs> raise your hands. You know, and, it, and it's like, okay, if I just cut my neck like what y'all got to do? So, right. you know, um, of course I'm a gentleman, so I would never do it. i have then change the thought. I would never do it. You know, but but my thing is at least when it's time to fly, can you please have some drawers to put on so that your bear, whatchamacallit, is not on the seat? I love bear, whatchamacallit. That's my, my thing favorite. is what if a- is, what, is, what, is, what is she What is she at the center seat and I'm to her left. My thing is, so where I'm supposed to put my hand at? What is, what, what, what I can use my armrest. I can use my <laughs> armrest because I'm a chair waist level
2: oh my goodness oh my you know goodness
3: I mean? so my thing is the, the least you can do is put on some draws you know or, or ask for an i do it's not gonna be by the window and not even touch <laughs> anyway anyway clearly doctor. see so you thought i was joking when i said the coronavirus is gonna be going stir crazy sit up in this house that's all i yeah. do all day is read stories about people drinking liquor and flying butt naked
2: oh my goodness oh my goodness well are you gonna are you gonna tune in are you
3: going to tune in to the last episode of Little
2: Fires yes. Everywhere? So,
3: so so, this week, of course, the last episode came out. I have not watched it yet. You haven't watched it yet either. I'll probably no, I have watch not watched, watched it, watch it yet. I have not watched it. And I think it'll be spicy. yeah, I think I'm going to watch it tonight. I, um, I'm going to make a nice dinner for myself. I think I'm either going to do what are you making? What are you I'm either making? Gonna, I'm going to do fried shrimp and french fries. I'm mm-hmm. going to make myself a nice chef salad with some deli meats and some cheeses and some fresh mozzarella cheese. I don't have decided yet. That sounds
2: yum. I'm making baked chicken tenders and and fries. That's what I'm gonna make tonight for the kids, even though I technically don't have kids, but I consider my two parents, me and Missy call them senior toddlers. And so they are my kids because I cook for them all the time and every day, especially since the Rona. And then of course, Denver will have his farmer's dog, dog food for dinner.
3: You know what we forgot to do? We know we neglected to, to do this month, Doc, was talking about you and Missy's anniversary. Oh yeah! Happy, yeah, happy belated, happy uh, years of you all been married. How many years have it been now? Um, it has been
2: four years. Oh my god! Yeah, four years since you all have been married. It's been, it's been four years. It's like I can't remember. But yeah, four years, and and we've been together for eight years. Um, yeah. and it just, it's still so much fun. Like what I was telling her yesterday, the other day was this whole Rona experience and us being home together. Like she has kept me laughing like stomach hurting laughing like in stitches like she is so naturally funny she doesn't try to be funny but the things that just come out of her mouth and that she says like crack me up i mean so she's well, yeah up, so well, she's you know,
3: been, go ahead go ahead i'm gonna say no my bad I'm, sorry, I'm gonna say that was this meme on facebook that was talking about like you know how everybody be like oh I miss my boo like the regular times everybody's so in love they're like all oh, y'all who's so in love you got to show something that house with y'all Boom! You ain't quite as in love no more. So I'm glad that y'all still getting along, yes.
2: No, we are. We're still getting along. I mean, of course, we're like both of us are getting on each other's nerves and and stuff like that. Like last night, I went downstairs to go get me a snack, you know, after midnight, okay, to go get... um. Some snacks after midnight. And so Mrs. is like, make me a snack. And then um, I'm like, your snacks be so elaborate. It's always be like, put it in, pick a good pickle out my pickle jar and then put it in a baggie and then put some slices on the side. It's like all this extra preparation where I just go grab a bag of candy or I'll just grab a cookie or, or those other things. So my snacks be easy. And so she's like, uh, grab me, uh, you know, this, that, and the third. And I say, your snacks be so complicated. She's like, my snacks don't be complicated. And something something. I there they stay complicated. So that's what I mean about her cracking me up. Like, she just, she cracks me up. Like, she feels like, oh, I'm so low maintenance. And, you know. No, no,
3: it's, no, it's, no, it's, no it's, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Quiet as this cat, Missy... <laughs> is hilarious okay like missy like missy i love Missy. missy is so hilarious i wish i could tell i listened to all the stories of the time that missy basically read me when i was about to hit the streets and go to the club missy Missy, shady oh, is so good it's yeah. like like between between you and missy and like oh my so i mean so we would t- i mean i can't even t- no. I can't, you know, we can't even tell these stories on the air for this <laughs> listeners kyla kyla shady and she's she her witness gotten better Missy is witty and Missy go say, Missy will cut you. You be like, "What?" Missy yeah. really is hilarious. And I, I tell you what, one of my favorite things to do when I come to your house, when Missy doesn't have to work or is not sleepy, such so like for New Year's and for a birthday, is to sit up and cut up with Missy, and we and Missy be cracking jokes. I be cracking jokes, and Missy takes forever to pick a movie on the on the TV, and Missy the oh my summer. god, be taking hours. don't be taking hours, child. You're taking hours. Yeah, <laughs> one one year out, you know, cause like every every maybe like maybe like twice a year, we'll do like a sleepover at your house you know, for two or three days, and like, we will be trying to watch a movie, and like, I'll be in you bedroom, and oh, they, I'll be on the air mattress on the floor, you know, so Missy will pick a movie, but it literally takes like two hours. And then one time, it took Missy to to pick a damn movie, and they, she picked that one movie, and it was the worst movie, like <laughs> kill the killer clowns. And I was like, Missy, did you really, I was so upset. I was so upset, but oh my god, it was the worst ever. It was the worst. It was the worst. Was the worst. But no,
2: I mean, needless to say, like it's it's been great. It's been a hoot and a holler the whole time. Um, I enjoy her so much. I, I feel like she was made just for me because like I'm I'm really nuts. We did that couple challenge thing that's going on, on Facebook where you talk about how you met and who is the worst temper, and so it's like, why do I have all the worst traits and it's no shade, but it's true. Um, and so she really balances me out and
3: yeah. she's so loving to my parents and uh, yeah, y'all are the best well no. I just love you both I'm so happy for you both and I miss you both But I promise I'll come and see y'all soon but as for now we are out of time we got to go so Doc say goodbye bye everybody bye everybody Strange Fruit is produced by Louisville Public Media our engineer is Koja Tashiro who also composed our theme music for more information about Strange Fruit, visit strangefruitpod.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Strange Fruit Pod. The views expressed on Strange Fruit do not reflect
2: those of Louisville Public Media, its staff, or its underwriters. Strange Fruit is produced by me,
3: Kyla Story. And me, Jason Gardner. Thanks, Thanks for listening. listening.
0: Support for LPM Podcasts comes from the Eye Care Institute and Butchertown Clinical Trials, where they strive for diversity, equity, and inclusion within their staff, patients, and clinical trial participants. To learn more, visit butchertown.clinic.